Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. I want to dive into this series, and I hope to have fun. I I feel, you know, kind of like an audible. Anybody ever, who's football fans in here? Anybody? By the way, I'm trying to get into baseball, so just pray for me. This is a long gap between football, and so that's the only reason. So I'm going to a game in a couple weeks, the first one in like 12 years, so just pray for me. People tell me it's a thinking man's sport, and that makes me immediately feel insulted. Like, I don't get it because I'm not a thinking man, so pray for me, but... I don't even know what that has to do with anything. But, oh, an audible. I just, I, I have some notes and, and uh, but I, I just, I don't, I just want to kind of just, I don't know. I'm going to follow what the Holy Spirit wants to do today and, and we'll try to hopefully piece things together and maybe leave here with some kind of cognitive thought for the thinking man and woman, amen? So we're in a series called The Table. We began last week on Easter Sunday with week one. And so if this is your first time with us, I'm gonna challenge you, make sure when you leave today, go on our website, get the podcast. You don't wanna miss it. Uh, in fact, in there, I kinda did 60 years of Israel's history in 60 seconds. And I thought about doing it again today, but I'm not going to, but we might bring that back later on. So you're gonna, it's sometimes, some of the pieces might feel like they're missing, but it'll be in the podcast. So we're, we're in this amazing story. We're going to pick up kind of right where we left off, and we're reading through uh, this book of the Bible called Second Samuel, and we're talking through kind of a random Bible character who's got the longest name in the history of humanity, it seems like. And so let's kind of pick up where we left off and see what's going to happen with the summation of this service. Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 3. And here it is, the king asks, this king that he's talking about here is David. Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And Ziba answered, isn't that an amazing name? Remember that name because we're going to talk about that joker in a little bit. Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan and he is lame in both of his feet. Verse 4, where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is in the house of Makar, son of Emil in Lodavar. Verse five, so King David had him brought from Lodvar to the house of Makir, son of Amiel. Verse six, when Mephibosheth, isn't that an amazing name? When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth? Like a question he didn't even recognize. Now, Mephibosheth is a grandson of the king. In fact, he's the rightful heir to the throne on which David now sits. And David didn't even recognize this young man. Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. That's the paraphrased version. (laughs) David said to him, For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. I think I want to pause here for a moment. Maybe this is what God wants to remind some of you today. There may have been moments or seasons in your life where you felt like God, not God, but someone, something stole something from you. 
Maybe it was a dream. Maybe it was your innocence. Maybe it was this ideal future. Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe it was a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a parent. Someone stole something from you. You felt robbed and violated like you, you, you were treated poorly. And I just think maybe that's what God's trying to do today to remind you that he's going to restore to you the things that belong to you the heritage, the purpose, and the future that belongs to you. I love this next passage of scripture right here. He says, and you will always eat at my table. Enter in the title of this series, The Table. David looks at Mephibosheth, who is the son of his best friend. David is now the king and Mephibosheth should be the rightful heir, but God has given David the kingdom. And and, and so as customary, it was normal for the new king to remove and wipe out, exterminate the family of anyone related to the former king so that there would never be an uprising. And so here David kind of turns the table, so to speak, and he looks at Mephibosheth and he says, hey, even though this isn't your throne, I'm going to restore to you the things that were your father's and your grandfather's and not only that but you will always have a seat at my table every meal you've got a seat at my table and in those days as it should be today the table represented so much it represented a place to belong it represented a place of purpose it represented a place of identity and that's what David is restoring to Mephibosheth Verse eight, Mephibosheth bowed down and he said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? You see, in this series, we've got two goals for you, two two thoughts throughout this whole series that my hope and prayer that that you and I walk away with. Number one, I, I want you to recognize that God literally is positioning you in places that you don't deserve. Hey, look at me for a moment. I believe at the core of who I am, if you're here and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I believe God is positioning you in places that you and I don't deserve. And my hope is that you'll walk away with that. He's opened doors and a future that you could not have without him. And even if you don't have the faith to believe that, my prayer is through this series that we can help build your faith so that you can see it. Last week, we talked about how your seat is searching for you. We talked about the table and how your seat is there. It's yours and it's searching for you. We talked about how your seat is secure. It's not going anywhere. And so many of us have the wrong mindset of who God is. And we believe that we're just one decision away from falling out of love with who God is. One decision away from God saying, that's it. I was waiting for this moment. You're out of the will. You're no longer accepted in my kingdom. And I think so many of us feel that that is a reality, but it couldn't be further from the truth. Your seat is always secure. God is always saying, I choose you. And you need to know that today. It's searching for you. Your seat is secure. Last week we talked about how you've got to choose whether or not you take that seat. And what's really exciting, I want to just kind of celebrate with us today for a moment. Last week, Easter Sunday, 47 people checked box B and said yes to Jesus. Come on. Let's give a bigger hand clap than that. Let's never let that grow old. Just just in case you're wondering, that's what we're all about. There is no hidden agenda. We want everyone to begin a relationship with Jesus. Salvation is the starting line, but it's merely the starting line. We've got to keep moving forward. Listen, you, you, you can settle for just getting what you put into life if you want to. 
You can settle for that, but I believe that Jesus wants you to get out of life what he put into it. Not just what you put into it, but what he put into it. He didn't die so that you could live life as normal. He died so that you and I can live life to the fullest. Man, I'm just, I, I, just, I know so many of us are not living that life. And, and, and we have this option ahead of us. Look at what Romans chapter 8, verse 32 in the message paraphrase says. If God didn't, didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, if he didn't hesitate, he said, I'm willing to risk it all, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son. He said, man, I'm going to risk it all. This is my son, my only son, and I'm sending him for the sin of humanity. And if he didn't hesitate to do that for you, not your neighbor, but for you, look at this. Is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? Notice it doesn't say, is there, if he did that for all of humanity in a moment, then as long as you attend the movement church enough, then you'll experience the full. No, it doesn't say that. It's gladly and freely gives that to us. We're so used to hustling for everything. How many of you are just hard workers? Would you raise your hand? Some of you need to put your hand down. It's not even true. It's okay. We're praying for you. I mean, just, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you, you, hot, miss, how many of you, you, literally, you were not born with a silver spoon. Everything you've had, you had to work for. Can I see some hands up? Thank you. You're my people. I've had to work for everything. I've purchased every car except for one that was given to me. Every car, paid for my insurance and my gas since I was driving. Can anybody just feel bad for me today? Thank you. <laughs> Man, we just hustle, right? We get to work. We do, especially in Orange, stinking county. If you don't hustle, you broke as a joke and you're moving probably to Texas. Can I get an amen? <laughs> yes. We're used to, sorry for my Texas friends who are listening on the podcast. We're used to hustling for everything. And, and my friend, Mike Foster, he, he reminded me that sometimes that translates into our spiritual journey and we feel like we've got to hustle for our worthiness. Like we've got to work to be accepted by who God is. We've had to work for everything. You've even had to work sometimes for friendships. And, and some of you, I, I see you, and you, you married up, dude. You really did. And you had to work for that girl. And you know it's okay. And you're thinking, oh, man, I'm so ugly. It's all right. We're praying for you. I don't know why I'm talking that way. I apologize. I feel like we've got to hustle for our worthiness. But God comes and he's like, nope, it's free. Man, I love you. I choose you. This seed is yours all the time. No, 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 what I'm not saying is that we don't need to work hard. There's nothing wrong with some hustle. In fact, some of you need to hustle just a little bit more, right? But what I am saying is that your faith and your hope cannot be in your effort. That's a lot better than you just amen right there. And often we do that. We put our faith and our hope in my effort, meaning if I make a mistake or if I fall short, then man, it's over. But we don't put our faith in our work. We put our faith in the finished work of Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, at the end, he said, it is finished, meaning you no longer have to work for it. It's yours. I give it to you graciously and freely. And next week, we're going to talk about how Mephibosheth allowed things that were internal, not external, to prohibit him. So make sure you don't miss week three. But my second goal, we haven't even got to the points yet. Man, I feel like this is good. I probably should put the jacket on. I'm going to be here all day. My second goal, 
goal. This isn't even a point. My second goal of this series is to remove any hesitation or any hindrance that is keeping you from stepping into all that God has for you. In fact, the title of this message is Don't Hesitate. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't hesitate. Turn to your second choice and say, you too, don't hesitate. That, I do that every time. Turn to your third choice and say, don't hesitate. Maybe you're here and you're not sure what it is that you believe. Well, let me just say what I say every week, permission to belong before you believe. But regardless of where you stand on the faith persuasion, regardless of where you're at in this journey, when God opens a door, if you hesitate, you can actually miss it. Salvation is eternal, but God's opportunities are not. And I'm afraid that so many of us are waiting and hesitating and we're missing the fullness of what God has for us. I love what Leonard Ravenhill said. He said, the opportunity of a lifetime must be grasped in the lifetime of that opportunity. That's really good. I didn't put that in your notes. By the way, oh, we did put it in your notes? Congratulations. I want to encourage you. Text the word notes. Do y'all have that for the screen? If you're, I'm telling you, there's some stuff coming up that are only in the notes. I'm not even going to give you a phone number for it or nothing. Text the word notes to follow along. Got some secret stuff hidden there you're going to want to have for the rest of the week. But while we're on that commercial break, can I just make a confession? Is that okay today? Are we allowed to be transparent in here? I don't like to share my food. Can I get an amen from anybody out there? Yeah. Whenever my wife's like, what if we share it? I'm like, get thee behind me, Satan. That's the most foolish thing I've ever heard in my life. Why don't you just get one and I'll get one and we'll be even. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And I think the reason is because I come from a big family. My, my mom, this is a true story, my mom is one of 12. Literally one of 12. I am one of seven kids. Pop, 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 pop. My mom was like, babies, babies, babies. And so literally growing up at the bare minimum, every time we sat down at the dinner table, there was a minimum of nine of us. As I spoke about last week, we regularly had friends and family over or just stopper buyers, I don't know what that means, but you get it, that would just drop in. So sometimes we'd have 12 and 13 and 15 people. And so uh, being a true Southern woman, my mom, she can stink and cook. Mom, I hope you're listening to this podcast today. She can, anything she made, it wasn't good, it was a miazing, okay? And so when you would sit down at the table, we would pray over the meal, as was always customary, and then you would politely ask, hey, would you please pass the blank, mashed potatoes, green beans, black eyed peas, biscuits, whatever it was, would you please pass? And then they would pass those to you, but here's the problem. When you have 12 to 15 people seated around a table, if you don't get the good stuff first, it's gone. That's why I don't share my food. I'm not sharing. We'll just buy another meal. Can I get an amen from some people who appreciate it? And I just think there's some of us in this room who, who are so hesitant to what God wants to do that, that when he opens doors, I want to encourage you, challenge you, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Salvation is eternal, but God's opportunities are not. Now, God is faithful and he is gracious, but there are moments that are ahead of you that, man, if you miss it, it may not come back around again. So here we find Mephibosheth. Now, he's the grandson of the former king of Israel, and he's been invited to the table of the current king of Israel, whose name is David. You know David. He's the same guy who killed Goliath. So regardless of your, everybody knows that story. 
And David has graciously invited Mephibosheth to David's table. He said, as long as I have a table, you have a seat there. No matter what, you have a seat there. Now, this is counter to every custom of the day and age. Because you would never invite anyone that didn't belong at the table to the table. And by right of heritage, he should be excommunicated, if not executed. And there were people at David's table who did not believe Mephibosheth should be there. So just imagine, now often we read the Bible and, and, and we look at things and see it through the eyes of a character who lived 2,000 years ago, but put yourself in those shoes for a moment. Imagine being Mephibosheth, every step up the stairs towards the table, you're thinking, here I go again. I'm gonna go sit down with one man who says he believes in me and he sees greatness in me and he loves me, but everyone else there thinks that I don't deserve that. Imagine the whispers, imagine the looks, imagine the inner battle going on every single meal, day in and day out, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. People saying you don't deserve to be here. People not talking to him because he was from the former heritage of the king. People ignoring him on purpose. Listen, imagine the internal battle waging in his mind, let alone the challenges as an individual thinking through those things, but now he's also hearing the voices and the whispers of everyone else saying, you don't deserve this. And I think so many of us walk through life feeling that exact same way. And maybe it's not just a perceived emotion, maybe you've literally had people tell you, you don't deserve this. And all it does is reiterate or, or cement inside your mind the idea that I already didn't think I did anyways. So no wonder we hesitate. No wonder we hesitate even with God. But God never hesitates to set us up for success no matter what those around us think. Some of us in this room need to hear this. I love what Psalm 23, 5 says, and this is the scripture we're going to kind of rock through for the remainder of this service. I'll explain it later, so don't freak out if you don't fully understand it. Psalm 23, 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. See, God is going to seat you in places where others around you feel you don't deserve. God's gonna seat you in places and position you in, in environments and situations where others around you don't feel like you deserve. And often the people around you uh, might even, whether they're glances or words spoken, or it could have been a word spoken to you by a parent or a coach or a sibling or a family member years ago, and yet it still rings true. It's like playing as a mixtape in your mind that you just hear over and over, you don't deserve it, you don't belong, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, whatever it might be. And so no wonder we ch are challenged with this, and so when God positions us, opens door for us, the temptation will be intensified to hesitate. So I want you to write down three things today. Make sure you're taking notes with us. Three things that I want you to write down. Number one, don't wait for others to agree. Number one, don't wait for others to agree. Guys, it's difficult for us to agree on anything in this world. Ever tried to pick a restaurant with a group of friends? <sighs> Forget it. That's why if I go, I'm saying, hey, we're going here. If you want to come, you can. If not, I'll be there. And you can't share my food. <laughs> you remember going to Blockbuster? Anyone in here? <laughs> Woo, 45 minutes up and down the stinking aisle, right? 
If there's two or more gathered in Blockbuster, you're there for an hour. And now we're just scrolling through Netflix. I can't wait till we see the, the polls come out of how much time is wasted scrolling through Netflix. Anybody in here? Yes. God loves to prepare places for you and open doors for you, but listen, right in front of people who say it can't happen. Right in front of the people who don't believe in you. Do you remember that guy, Zeba? You remember that guy. Nobody forgot that name. He was the one who told David about Mephibosheth. But if you read further down in the story, he gets jealous of what Mephibosheth has, the honor that David bestowed to him, and he tried to get David to destroy him because of it. Mephibosheth's greatest friend, his closest friend, didn't believe he belonged at the table that David gave to him. If you and I wait for everyone to agree with you and what God wants to do with you, then you're going to miss God. And we usually have one or two negative thoughts or reactions to the proverbial enemies of our life or the haters in our life. Number one is the paralysis of people-pleasing. This overwhelming fear. I become paralyzed because I care too much of what people think, or, or rather, I've allowed their opinion of me or my future to drive my decisions. I wonder how many in this room went after a degree path because someone in your life told you you should, instead of because it was a passion that you had. I mean, so many of us become paralyzed by the opinions and the feelings of other people, and then they begin to drive our decisions. Another response that we have in response to the enemies around us is the disease of chip defending. Knock that chip off. Go ahead. Knock that chip. You think I can? I'll show you. I'll prove to the whole world I can do this. If you live your life trying to prove everyone wrong and, and neither of these end in a healthy location, my friends. You can't allow, listen, none of us can allow the opinions of others to either paralyze or motivate us. Rather, we've got to allow the grace of God to carry us. When it becomes evident, when it, I, just, I just wonder how many of us allow that fear to become so crippling that we lead to just indecision and God opens the doors and then now we, we miss it because we're so worried that maybe it's the wrong decision or what does so-and-so think or, or man, I just want to prove so much and we just miss what God is trying to do in our life. Now, I'll never forget there is a season where Megan and I, my wife, were, were convinced it's time for us to plant or to start the movement church. We felt God doing something and stirring something internally, not like the audible voice of God to part the clouds and the trumpets blare, but just something on the inside. And, and, and we weren't sure, and we just prayed about it. We had great leaders in our life, and we drove out here. In fact, if you don't know this story, it means you've not been to our welcome to church party. So if I don't see you today after second service at our welcome to church party, you're not permitted back into our, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Make sure you come today right after second service. We'll tell the full story, but I'll never forget driving through Southern California going, God, where are you taking us? And then when it became evident, South Orange County, and, and God just started opening doors. You know what we did? It was like we were giving birth to a brand new child or or we just found out we were pregnant and you know what you do when you find out things like that you call the people you love the most you call the people who you care about who have impacted your life and I'll never forget literally driving through Los Angeles thinking this is a reality we're moving to Orange County to plant a church let's call some people 
And we began calling the people we cared about most, and I will never forget one specific individual. I will not mention their name just in case they listen later on. And I shared the dream of planting a church, and their response was hesitation. Are you sure, Carrie? Are you sure it's the best decision? It wasn't you shouldn't do it. It was are you sure? And you know what? That was the same question I was asking myself. And the moment they spoke it, it was like those two worlds collided and that to me became a reality. Maybe we shouldn't do this. And that drove me for multiple days. I mean, imagine if I, I had allowed that to, to dissuade me from the opportunity of planting the church. And can I just tell you, if you're going to do anything great for God, you need to get comfortable with people around you not seeing the greatness in you. Now look at me for a moment. Let me take a commercial break. What I'm not saying is let's all be rebellious. Anti-system. I don't need leadership and wisdom in my life. No. That doesn't even line up with the word of God. Don't, that's not what this message is about. Well, I don't need to listen to my parents or anyone around me. I'm marrying that guy because he's awesome. I think so, and he loves me. Do you know what? Listen, honestly, when you're about to get married to the man or the woman of your dreams, do you know statistically the greatest indicator of whether or not your marriage is going to be good is if the people who love you most and have been in your world the most think he's right for you? Literally. There are thousands upon thousands of, of studies shown. That is a real deal. Why? Because the people around you do have an impact on your life. And you're like, well, Pastor Kerry, this sounds so confusing. Husband, what I'm not encouraging you to do is go make that investment regardless of what your wife says. I'm not saying to be rebellious in this process and, 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 you know, I don't even need the system. What I'm saying is if you wait for every Tom, Dick, and Harry to agree with God's plan for your life, it'll never come to pass. So even after that phone call, driving out here and being discouraged, I went back to Arizona with my wife and we got around our pastor who has been walking with us for the previous five and a half years, teaching and coaching, correcting and instructing. And they sat down with us and said, this is right. It's time. I'm so thankful for their voice in my life. Because we moved out here to plant the church and now, five and a half years later, you're here. And you're some of my favorite, most of you are my favorite people. <laughs> 1,306 people have said yes to Jesus since that day. Come on, let's give God a hand clap. As I'm rapidly running out of time, let me give you a little bit of application. This is in your notes. If you didn't text the word notes, you don't get this. I added 40 I am. Some of you just need to know what God thinks about you. Well, why is the answer always a scripture? Because it should be. It's God's nature for our life. And right there is a link to 40 statements that God says about you. 40 I am's. Some of you just need to know what God says. You're more than a conqueror. Look at me. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. If God is for me, who can be against me? I want to sing that song right now, but I won't. Don't wait for those around you to agree. Number two, don't wait to feel ready. Don't wait until you feel ready. Another reason I believe we hesitate is because we just don't feel ready. 
It's like when you get married and think, oh, you know what, I'm gonna, we'll have kids when we're ready. <laughs> Never gonna happen. Nobody's ready to not sleep, ever. <laughs> and they just cost more money with every passing moment. Just don't wait till you feel ready. Often we just don't feel like we have what it takes. I hear so, so many people say all the time that I, I, I just want to wait, get some things right inside before I, I say yes to Jesus or before I step forward. But listen, that's not the nature of who God is. Je- Jesus reached down into our imperfection. He didn't run from it. He said, man, I love you in spite of your weaknesses. I hear others say, you know what, I, I know I, I want to follow God and I want to walk in my purpose, but I just need to get a few things organized and, and in order. And I just need to, I'm not, this, this isn't the right time right yet. And you know, if I was the devil, let that hang for a moment. If I was the devil and I wanted you to be rendered useless to the calling of God on your life, if I wanted to keep you from taking a seat at the table, You know what I would not use? I would not use the destructive enticement of sin. Addiction, infidelity, and crime, I wouldn't use that. Now, the enemy does use that to bring destruction to people's lives. But the reason I wouldn't is because the consequences are so visibly destructive that I can see and recognize this is not healthy. This is not right. I'm going to make some adjustments. He uses these all the time, but I've seen so many hit rock bottom and find redemption and then take a seat at the table. You see, if I was the devil, I wouldn't use that to detract you, to make you hesitate from pursuing the call of God in your life. I would use the lure of, I'm just not ready yet. I love God. and I'm I'm, going to go to church and I believe in God and I'm grateful to see what God is doing. I'm grateful for the seat at the table, but it's just not the right time to jump in. I'm just a bit too busy. And this is the lullaby the enemy has been using for years. Singing it softly and sweetly. Lulling us to sleep in our convictions while we miss opportunities that God has for us. All because I'm just not ready. Can I just encourage you for a moment? If God opportunities were based on your readiness, then it would indicate his purpose for your life is based on your abilities. And my friends, it's not. It's based upon who he is. Look at how he paints the picture in Psalm, Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, when all the people who hate and don't believe and can't see the greatness in me, you still prepare a table for me. And then you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. God always does things in order. He says, I'm going to give you a seat at the table and then I'm going to anoint you. Sometimes God will seat you in places he has not yet anointed you for. In biblical times, the anointing represented the empowerment to accomplish the job. Kings would be anointed before they took the throne. Today, the monarchy in England is anointed as the king or the queen of England. Anointing simply means to be empowered with the ability to do what God has called us to do. God's plan is to open the door first and to empower you second. God does not put you in a position that you feel ready for. Why? Because then we don't need him anymore. 
It removes the dependence upon him. He's never going to position you for something great that doesn't require him to be part of the process. He'll never put you there. Think about Moses at the Red Sea. For those of you that don't know the story, I apologize. Moses was called to free the Hebrew slaves from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. God says, hey, go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. After 10 plagues, the Pharaoh lets the people go. 1.5 million people following this guy who once lived in the king's palace but spent 40 years in the desert as a shepherd leading 1.5 million to 3 million people. God positioned him in that place. A couple days into the journey, there was a Red Sea before them. And on their tail was the Egyptians coming to kill them. Moses said, I don't know what to do, God. Why did you bring us here to die? The Hebrew slaves are saying, why did you bring us out here to die? Where are you in this, God? I don't know what to do. We can't fight. We don't have any weaponry. And God was like, bro, chill. I got this. What are we supposed to do? Just walk up to the water and take that staff that's in your hand and lift it up. That's ridiculous, God. Just do what I said. Moses walks up to the water and he lifts the staff up. And what happens? The water parts. And the Hebrews cross on dry ground. The Egyptians pursue and the water swallows them up. God's going to position you in places that you don't feel ready for, but in the moment, he's going to give you the ability to accomplish it. If you wait for your feelings, you're going to miss out on all that God has for you. And some of you are thinking, but what if I fail? What if I make mistakes? What if I can't do this? What if I miss it? What if I don't do it perfectly? Can I just tell you failure is not an option? It's a necessity. The greatest ways that we learn is through failure. And listen, Jesus doesn't see our failures as a disqualifier. He looks at our failures and sees his reflection of his greatness. In other words, if he can work through me, then he can work through you. And if he can work through you, then he can work through her. Look at what Philippians 1, 6 says. I am sure about this one thing, this is Paul talking, the one who started a good work in you will stay with you to complete the job. In other words, he's gonna position you in places, give you the ability to accomplish, and he's not leaving until he's done with it. I'm telling you, God wants to do this in your life. He takes our experiences of failure and he turns it into a story of freedom. Don't wait for others to agree. Don't wait to feel ready. Number three, don't wait to see the evidence of God at work. Often we're waiting to see the very end goal. God, when, you, if, when I see it come to pass, then I'll step out in faithfulness. When I see what you're going to do, God, then I'll be obedient. But that's not the way that God works. Psalm 23 says he gives us a seat at the table. He gives us the ability to accomplish it. And then my cup overflows. So don't wait on everything to look right. Don't wait for the enemy, to, to people around you, to, to, for things to make sense. Don't wait for it all to just line up perfectly. Sometimes we just got to take a step of faith. You're not going to see the evidence of God's hand at work until you take a step of faith. And maybe you don't know what that next step is. Hey, guess what? We can help you with that. It's right after second service. It's called the Welcome to Church Party. I mean, we're not doing this because we just think it's awesome. We're doing this because we believe in God's plan for your life, and we don't know everything. Michael does, but not everybody does. And we just want to help you unpack what God has for you. 
It's right after second service. Cancel your plans. Go get brunch and come back. Let us help you take your next step. It's just a step of faith sometimes. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. I think so many of us see clearly the, the chair that's before us. Nothing like a school chair. We see clearly the, the opportunity. Some of you are saying, I see detention. That's all I see right now. We see that God has something for us, and, and we want to take a seat, but we're kind of doing it like this. We're half-cheeking it. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. We're just enough in, but if I, I get to a place where I don't fully trust it, I can just kind of stand up. And then, oh, when everything seems okay, this is good, I'm going to half-cheek it a little bit longer. So this, this is just too much, so let me just wait, and, and I'm going to kind of feel it out. I'm not sure if I'm ready yet. There's an old song in the church, when you're up, you're up, and when you're down, you're down. When you're only halfway up, you're neither up or down. Nobody? Okay, moving on. So many of us are living life like that. And instead of sitting in the fullness of what God has for us, we're standing over here on our own. And we walked in that way today, knowing that there's a table prepared for me, even when others can't see it. And, and, and I know that God wants it for me, but I just, I know this. Still hustling for your worth, striving for perfection. And here's what you find, good enough. But you were created for greatness. You're created for greatness. Don't wait for others to agree. Don't wait to feel ready. Don't wait to see the evidence. Just take a seat. Just take a seat. You know what happens when you take a seat? In the fullness of what God has, when God opens the door, when he opens up an opportunity for us, I experience rest. Because I, I I, it doesn't mean I, I'm not working hard. But I, I stop having to strive for it. And you're like, well, what is that going to look like? How will I know? Well, God will tug at your heart. There'll be something on the inside, just like we knew it was time to start a church. It's the same thing that will happen for you. God will tug at your heart. The Bible says that my sheep hear my voice. So here's the challenge. Before, when God would tug at your heart, you would say, I don't know. People don't see greatness. Maybe I should listen to them. Or you would say, I'm not ready yet. But I want to challenge you, when that moment comes, just say, okay, God, I'm going to be obedient. And I can't see the cup that's full yet. And I don't feel like I have the ability, but I know you prepared a place for me at the table of my enemies. And when I sit, you'll anoint my head with oil. In other words, you'll give me the ability to accomplish what you've called me and set before me to accomplish. And then in that moment, because of my faith, because of your purpose, I know that my cup will overflow. And I just know that today some of you came in here and you've missed God opportunities in your life and you know it. You can think of the moment, the day, the hour, the minute. Some of you in this room feel like those opportunities will never come again. But I'm telling you right now, just like David told Mephibosheth, I'm going to restore to you the heritage of your father. That's what God wants you to know today. God's not finished with you. Man, I've got so many sermons to preach in so little time. I, I, one of my favorite stories is the story of Jonah and the whale. And you know the story. God spoke to him. There was a God opportunity. Go and speak before Nineveh. And Jonah was like, deuces, I'm out. And he ran the other way. And then a storm came. And then they threw him over and a fish ate him. And that's it for today, guys. Let's go ahead and you're dismissed. 
And he prayed and he said, okay, God, I'll be obedient when the time comes. And the fish vomited him up on the ground. And in Jonah chapter two, verse one, it says this, the word of the Lord came to Jonah again. That's the goodness of my God. So I don't know what opportunities you've missed in your past, but I know there's a seat for you. It is secure and God's just waiting. When that door opens, just be obedient. I want to pray for us today, and I'm going to pray this specifically while you're all looking at me and watching. I'm going to pray that God opens divine opportunities for every individual in this room in the next few days, weeks, and months. And I want to challenge you. I believe God's going to do it. And when he opens those doors, those opportunities, man, you better listen to God and you better be obedient. Get some people around you with wisdom. Don't run like a maverick, not listening to anyone. Get some, we got some pastors here believing you. We got some leaders here who will help you. I'm just saying, when that day comes and the door opens, I'm going to pray and believe you're going to have the faith to step through it and take a seat in the fullness of what God has for you. Can I pray for you as we're running out of time? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, nobody looking around? God, we just thank you that you're here today. I thank you that you care about us and that no matter what opportunities might have been missed, no matter what opportunities we, 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 we shut the door on or, or we allowed the voices of others around us, those who failed to see the greatness in us to, to, to drive our decisions, God, or maybe it was just not feeling ready or not feeling adequate, whatever it might be, God, we acknowledge there's been missed opportunities, but God, we just pray now that you would do what only you can do, that you would create opportunities before us to start the business to pursue new friendships and relationships, to lead in a small group or to jump on the dream team. Lord, I pray you'd open opportunities for us. God, we'll be obedient. We won't hesitate. We'll take a seat in the fullness of what you have. I pray right now, God, you would open divine opportunities in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I thank you that no one here is too far gone I thank you that no one here has missed it and that you're speaking to us all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Hey, I, I, I went way too long. I apologize and I'm grateful for you, but before we go, I, I can't, we don't end a service without giving people an opportunity. This is what it might be for you, the, the greatest opportunity to simply begin a relationship with Jesus to just say yes to him. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm just talking about starting with him. And if you're here and you've never begun that relationship, today is your day. In a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And right where you're seated, I wanna challenge you to pray it with me. And some of you in this room have been running from God and today's the day to come running back. Why don't you make this prayer your step of obedience. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? No one looking around. If you're here and you've never made this decision or today you need to make it again for the first time in a long time, would you just pray this with me right now in the quietness of your own heart or in a small whisper, just say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose. I'm not perfect, God. I've missed some opportunities but I don't wanna miss this opportunity right here and right now. Just make this next statement your own with all the faith that you can muster. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.